translation, and I thought that was quite a nice translation to read this out on. Um, so this is a bit of a biggie this week. It's, it's quite a... Yeah, it's, it's just, it's quite a big deal, this chapter. It, it's chapter 17 of, um, of John, and it is Jesus' prayer for the believers. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to copy Joe, <laughs> and I'm going to... I'm going to put a chair there, because this is Jesus praying this prayer. This whole chapter is basically Jesus' prayer. Uh, and I just think it's good to remember that, to keep that in mind as I read it out. Just picture Jesus praying this. Um, you know, imagine him praying it right now. He is here, and uh, yeah, I just hope that you can hear him in this. Right, so I'll read it out to start with. After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you, for I passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that no one was lost, except the one headed for destruction, as the scriptures foretold. Now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world, so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them, so they can be made holy by your truth. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. 
I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. So, I really, I do love this prayer. I've, at different times in my life, I think parts of it have really spoken to me. But I am not going to pretend that I understand all of it, because I was reading through it. I've been through it a lot of times. And I just, I know that I can't grasp the entirety of it, and I can't even follow Jesus' train of thought throughout this entire prayer. I can't. Um, but I do get glimpses of God's glory and truth as I read this. And those have really hit home with me. So all I hope today is that hopefully you can catch some glimpses of that, that glory and that truth too. Um, so it's quite a long prayer, this. Um, but I think it's actually, most of it is kind of summed up in verses 20 to 23, when Jesus says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me, and loved them, even as you loved me. So that part there, that section... Jesus is praying for us. He's praying for those who will believe in me. That's us. So I was thinking that if we ever wonder what he wants for us, then actually this is probably quite a good place to start. And the bottom line of what he's asking for in this small section, but in the whole of the prayer, is unity. Being one. Now, I was trying to explain the Trinity to David the other day. Oh, having kids is fun. That was before breakfast. Um, and I was trying to say, I, what I said was, it's like Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit are such a good team that they work together so well that it's like they're one person. And actually, I found that really helpful for me. I was like, oh, yeah, no, that, that kind of does make sense to me. Um, I, but Jesus prays that we would be one, just as Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit are one. Like the Trinity. Um, and one thing I realized afresh as I was uh, preparing for today, or maybe, I, I'm not sure, I might even have realized it clearly for the first time, is that that level of unity that they're talking about there, it was there from the beginning of time. 
In this chapter, Jesus mentions twice that he was there with God before the world began. He said in verse 5, And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. And in verse 24, he says that God loved me before the foundation of the world. And I think we kind of know this, but we do need to be reminded of it. I know that I do. That the Trinity, Jesus, God, Holy Spirit, were there living in unity before all this happened, before the world began. Unity was the way it always was. It was just the way of things. And we were born out of that unity, out of the overflow of God's love. And we were created to live in unity with them. And I think it's really easy to lose sight of that. Because unity is not the way of the world. Disunity is everywhere. And unity can seem like this distant, impossible goal, a bit like world peace. There is a lot of rubbish in this world, which we have to unlearn. But we do have to get our perspective right. When we journey with God, allowing him to grow us and change us, I don't think that we're fighting to grasp an impossible, impossible distant goal or that we're trying to fit ourselves into a mold that is incompatible with who we really are, who we really are, we're just trying to realize who we were always made to be. We're stripping away the layers of lies and baggage that we've picked up along the way so that we can reveal who we really are, which is someone who is loved and united with God. And it says in the end of, at the end of chapter 16, which is just before this chapter, it says, Take heart, I have overcome the world. And he can overcome the world in us. And he can overcome what the world has done in us too. So what does unity look like? Um, God once gave me, I think it was last summer, he gave me this beautiful picture when I was praying about what, what, how on earth do you do grace and what does unity look like? And um, he gave me this picture of this wave. And it was, you know, how they kind of curl and grow up and it was powerful and it was, yeah, it was, it was great. Um, and I could see each individual drop of this wave. Um, and there was this unity of purpose in the wave, but there was a wildness to it as well. Each trip was not regulated in the course that it had to follow. But they all worked together to create this powerful wave. And the lovely thing was, like, just after I'd had this picture, I went to Sweden and I was in Stockholm. I walked down the street and there was a painting in a window of this wave. And it was done with pointillism, you know, when it's all dots, so you could see every single drop. I was like, oh, thank you, God. Picture. Um, so... True unity isn't being controlled from the top. It's about unity of purpose and a connection within us. It's the unity of a free people, and there can be and there should be diversity in unity. Real unity allows us all to be individuals who are working together for a common purpose. It's like, I used to quite like football, I used to like to watch Brazil. You know, every player 
is in a different position and they've got totally different skills and they are brilliant at different things and they are allowed to go for it in their own positions and to be different from each other because together they create this perfect goal-scoring team. Now, I remember discussing uh, unity with a friend of mine. She's had a massive influence on my spiritual life. And she told me this saying, this was like 10 years ago. She said to me that she'd um, been taught the phrase, it is better to be one than right. And I found that really challenging. I'm still working this one out. I, I found that really challenging because in our culture, we are obsessed with being proved right. Um, but I think that one of the most important and hardest things we learn as Christians, at least I have, is that we are often wrong. Now, of course, in every disagreement, someone is going to be right. Someone must be right. But I think I've come to the place where I think it's best just to establish that that person is always going to be Jesus. Jesus prays in this passage in verse 17, sanctify them, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. There is truth. It's God's word. It's Jesus. And of course, I know that if a church, if a church is, or, or a professing Christian is actually not following Jesus at all, you know, if they're not following the truth at all, then I trust that, you know, it would be clear to believers. But it does sadden me that I've been to a lot of different churches. I've been to a lot of different denominations. And I've heard people talk about unity. I heard one just a few months ago. It was all about unity. And then, in a line, they quickly disqualify some other churches or some other believers from that unity because of a different difference of beliefs. And the thing is, I've heard it in all directions. Denomination, putting down denomination. Believer, putting down believer. Discounting whole groups of believers because of a difference in understanding of the truth. And everybody is so adamant that they're right. But all I see is disunity. Now, I don't doubt that other denominations have got things wrong, but I also don't doubt that we've got stuff wrong. And I often think about when we get to heaven, uh, I think about how it's going to be like when you get in a warm bath, I would say this, when you get in a warm bath, I don't know if you like baths, but you get in and you just, you let go and it's release. I think it's going to be like that. But I also think we're suddenly going to realize what it's all about, and I think there's going to be some home truth, and I think it's going to dawn on us how many times we have been wrong. Um, but what we can do now is we can treat others with grace, the grace that Jesus shows to us. He doesn't go, you're wrong. He says, come with me and learn some more. We can lovingly help others to grow in their faith and allow them to help us to grow. And we can pursue unity. Not at all costs, of course, not at the cost of Jesus, but at the cost of pretty much everything else. At the cost of our tastes, our preferences, our inclinations. Yeah, I think so. 
Now, I do want to say that something I do love about this church, and I've been thinking about it a lot recently, is I love that we're just a fellowship of believers. You know, we're so different. We've got different, people do different jobs. We've got different political views. We've got different dress sense. We like different music. Everyone is so different. But, and the different ages as well. But we're one family. And it doesn't feel like you have to toe the party line in this church. You know, we don't have to agree on everything. We're just here for Jesus and for the fellowship. And I love the way that we're not all just passive observers who have to be given a program from the front by the leadership in order to do anything. We're all on our own journeys with God who's brought us here together today. And it's not that we're perfect, but I do think that we offer a little snapshot of what it's like uh, of what diversity and unity is like. However, um, this unity that Jesus is talking about in the chapter, this chapter, it runs really, really deep. He wants us to have the same level of unity as the Trinity between ourselves and between us, Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit. And that kind of unity is based on really knowing each other and it's based on love. So to get to that level of unity, it requires real humility and honesty. And I go to a, a Bible study in another church as well. I was there last Friday, and I was praying for a lady. And bless her, she's going through it. She's had a lot of different illnesses that have been really painful. And she's really struggling with it at the moment. And she, she was confessing how... Um, She's letting that pain come out in anger towards her family. Um, and she said, oh, sorry, I thought I'd cry. Um, she said, if you'd heard what I said to my husband this morning, you wouldn't let me in this group. And as I prayed for her, I saw this picture, and it was like a plaster or a sticker of a heart, and it looked very nice. But then the plaster or whatever it was was pulled away, and underneath was the wound. And it was messy. But that wound was cleared out. It needed to be cleaned. It needed to be cleared out so that you could see the real heart underneath. And I felt that what God was saying was that we can live according to appearances and we can look quite presentable. And going deeper is messy. But it is only in facing and clearing out all the mess that we can reveal the true heart beneath. And you know, when you get to the real stuff, beyond appearances, the love that you feel for someone when you're praying for them is just out of this world. Because you start to see them how they really are, you know, who God created them to be. And I really do believe that actually underneath it all, everybody is so beautiful. And the unity that you then get in a room where people have been honest, it's so powerful. And I think that if we all knew each other on that raw, open, prayerful level, then there would be a lot less disunity within churches and between denominations, between churches. Now, I'm not saying that we're supposed to all have be perfect reflections of God's unity right now, but I am saying that I think it's inviting us in deeper, deeper in relationship with him, and with his Son and Holy Spirit, and deeper into relationship with each other. 
and that it's because it is very nature to be one with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, then it's only in unity with him and with each other that we can truly reflect him and reflect his glory and be restored to who we were created to be. And the beautiful result of that, the beautiful result of unity, as Jesus says, will be that the world will know that Jesus is from God and that God loves us as he loves Jesus. So I think this, this call to unity, I, I mean, every time I hear it, it I realize what a big deal it is. But actually, I do think it's what we've all really been looking for. You know, to be understood, to be loved, to be who we really are, and to understand others, and to really love them, and for them to be able to be themselves with us. And if it's good enough for God, then I think it should be good enough for us. So I'm just going to finish with a prayer. God, you're the standard. Thank you so much for sending Jesus down. Thank you for those words that we have of what Jesus prayed for us. Thank you that he embodied your glory and your humility and your oneness. And um, thank you that you've invited us in with you. It can feel strange. It can feel different. It can feel like we're leaving behind things that we think are us. But actually, this is what we were always made for, and I think it is what our hearts are really craving. God, make us more like you. Help us to put everything aside. Help us all to hold on to you, and then we will be drawn together. And I pray that you would help us to overlook the things that are um, different. I know that there is truth but you are the truth. And I thank you that you, you could turn us all away for the mistakes we make about, about everything and the things that we don't know about you. But you don't. You keep leading us on, keep leading us deeper and closer. And I pray that you'd help us to do that with those around us, whether they're near or far. Please bless this fellowship. Thank you for it. And just be at the center, Lord. Amen.